and welcome to What Is My Podcast About, a podcast where we try to discuss and figure out what we want to talk about for our podcast. And my name is Matthew, and as always, I am joined by my buddies here, Peter. Hello! And Keith. Hey. And anyway, so what were you guys up to recently? Before we get into that, Matt, I think that's the first time you've ever referred to me as your buddy, and I'm touched. Truly deep at the bottom of my heart, I'm touched. Um... But I've recently, somewhat related to our topic for today, but before we get into our topic, I've been watching a show on Amazon Prime show, TV, whatever, video, Amazon Prime video, that's the one, uh, called The Boys. Never heard of it. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's based off a pretty interesting comic book series that asks the question, what if superheroes were stupid assholes? Yeah, essentially, what if superheroes had all the flaws of human beings? So they have the ability to stop time or be protected from bullets and have super strength and can fly. But also, they just want to get rich. So, like, there's this whole deal of, like, one of the opening uh, scenes is the, like, seven most powerful superheroes sitting around their board table discussing the fact that a major crime going on right now is people bootlegging their DVDs and them not making any money off the bootlegs. Uh, to put it in perspective, have uh, you seen Mystery Men? Yes. You know how Mr. Uh, was it Mr. Amazing or Captain Incredible or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Uh, at the beginning, how he's got all of those brand logos on his costume and he's just doing brand deals constantly? Oh, yeah. It's pretty much every superhero is that. But they're also horrible people. Well, that sounds right up my alley. How have I not heard of this? And the boys are trying to kill them. Yeah, the boys is a group of normal human beings who have realized that soups in general are pretty shitty people. And they're trying to kill off the supers to rid the world of this problem. And also to kind of reveal their flaws. It's it's pretty great. Uh, the thing I really like about it is it kind of shows not only the planning of like, how do you go about killing a superhero? But also just like, proof that the superheroes are bad people. Like, they kill a guy whose power is that he can turn invisible. Except we later learn that he essentially can reconstruct the atoms on the surface of his skin into a specific carbon meta material i believe he refers to it which makes his skin as strong as diamonds and bends light around his skin which is cool and all but then they have this whole problem of they try and shoot him with a gun and the bullet just ricochets around and doesn't kill anyone (laughs) uh and they end up killing him by making a uh explosive out of plastic explosives and shoving it up his butt and then detonating it while it's inside of him because he's only protected from the outside (laughs) That is a colorful way to go. Yeah, it's it's a very fascinating the, show. The color brown, specifically. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really cool show, and I highly recommend it. So who is that by? Uh, it's uh, on Amazon Prime Video. Okay. Amazon's competitor to Netflix, because everyone needs their own Netflix now, because Netflix made a shit ton of money, and everyone wants a piece of that money. Except the thing that nobody seems to realize is that the reason Netflix made a bunch of money is because it was the only one that did that. And the more of them there are, the less money they all make. Do you guys have anything else you kind of want to talk about? I haven't gotten outside of the world much. I've just been playing Fire Emblem. All right. All right well, uh, thanks for <laughs> listening to the podcast. go back to Fire Emblem, yeah. Anyway, since you brought up uh, superheroes, one of our uh, suggestions from Greg, I do believe, was that we debate about... Uh, DC versus Marvel, the comic book specifically, but we might delve a little bit more into uh, the movies a little bit. I believe his exact question was, which is better? 
And uh, I, that's kind of how I approached it. I just took down, a, uh, did a lot of deep diving into like just the history of Marvel and DC Comics as their own thing and the different phases they've had through it. A lot of interesting things there, so it's more of just a comparison of the two. I, when he said DC versus Marvel, the comic books, I assumed he meant the comic book series entitled DC versus Marvel, which is about the two universes getting merged and duking it out to determine who's better. Uh, in which we get a pretty definitive answer about who's better, but I now realize he meant more general, so we can also talk about that. Okay. And while I have next to no knowledge about any of the comic books, all of my knowledge comes from the movies. So uh, anything about the movies oh, pops up, or tough... any, uh, anything that links between the comics and the movies or is different, then uh, I can put my input in for yeah. that. That's a good question. Which one's better, DC movies or Marvel movies? Marvel. They're <laughs> so, like, in balance and perfect and, like, no flaws to either one. They, let's just say they've changed the genre drastically. Yeah. They, together, have changed the genre drastically. Which, actually, it was a group effort because, if we're being honest for ourselves, DC kind of paved the way for Marvel a little bit. Marvel paved for the way for DC, and then DC paved the way for Marvel, and then Marvel's like, all right, cool, I'm going to build a highway and pave nothing for you ever again. Hey, I'm just saying, the first actually good-doing movie involving superheroes was Batman. Yeah, it went Batman, then it went the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, and then it went the Batman Begins, Christopher Nolan ones. And then it went Marvel MCU, and everything changed forever. <laughs> and then DC tried the, the Dark Knight trilogy, which... Did pretty well, but nowhere near as good as the newer Marvel movies. I mean, it was the best at the time. Yes. It was no, the best no other of... superhero movie was doing as well as that. They just couldn't do what Marvel did, which was uh, segue it into an entire, entire expanded universe. No. And granted, those uh, Dark Knight movies were interesting, and until that point, I never liked Batman as a character. One of the uh, reasons... I'm sorry, but one of the reasons I never got into DC supporting is Batman, and I heard that Batman at one point in the comics becomes the god of knowledge. I mean, that's a more recent thing, and it was weird, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the whole situation. We can talk about it later. Uh, you didn't like Batman, Matt? No. Oh. Alright, podcast cancelled. I can't do this anymore. Well, yeah, Keith's just gone to the washroom to, uh... I guess. Cry, I assume. But at least you, I can uh, probably believe you have some. I feel like I need to double down here, Matt. Take oh. these. <laughs> That's a lot. Just of Batman a bunch stuff. of, well, Joker specifically, but oh, Batman, no, it's as, Batman, well. Batman as well. Yeah. But I think you guys can also agree with me a little bit in saying that Superman was kind of busted, especially back in the day when he his power was essentially to do anything he could think yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. Superman's power for a while there was he could do anything so long as he had tried it before, and if he hadn't tried it before, then upon trying it, he would learn that he could do it. Well, the most ridiculous thing to date is still the fact that he could shoot tiny Supermans out of his hands. He had all the powers and abilities of Superman, which also implies they also had the tiny Superman power, which means we have an infinite level of tinier Supermans. Yeah. If you... Ever watched Futurama with the episode where Bender learns to copy himself, except every time he copies himself, he just makes two half-sized versions of himself, and he slowly takes over the world by constantly splitting down in size? It's that exact idea, except with Superman. There's also, from the uh, Superman movies, the uh, point when he pulls off the logo from his uh, super suit and throws it like cellophane wrap to capture a villain. And then has them fall to their death in that pit. 
Yeah, it was... Unless you watch after the credits, in which case you clearly see them getting pulled out by the police. Yeah, so... So yeah, and Superman's just busted, and his one weakness is kryptonite. Material, or parts of his old planet, that somehow made their way through the vastness of space to Earth. I mean, to be fair, if you beat me with Earth Rock, I'll probably die. Also... True. The unlikely bit is that pieces of his home planet made it through the vastness of space to this planet and not him also making the exact same journey. Well, yeah, but he was in a little space pod made by his parents. Oh, yeah, well, what was it made out of? Elements from Krypton? From Krypton, yes. But Here's a spaceship made out of kryptonite. You expect me to believe that Lex Luthor has just an infinite supply of pieces of that little space pod that he arrived in. I mean, to be fair, in the comics, I believe, what they end up doing was he found out how to synthetically make yeah, kryptonite. Yeah, he, he found kryptonite that had come in the form of, like, an asteroid, realized the effect it had on Batman, and then learned how to synthetically make it from <laughs> on Batman. Batman. On Superman. It makes him go really crazy and need to kill Superman, specifically. Yeah. <laughs> and he's been oh, using it ever since. The other side effect is it causes cancer. Yes. Um... That's why you never see Batman take his cowl off anymore. He's embarrassed about the fact that he's bald. I gotta say, uh, I am i wouldn't say I lean heavily into one camp or the other for DC or Marvel, but still, God, one of my favorite moments is the part where Lex Luthor finds that he has cancer because of the kryptonite, and Superman's standing there all somber, and all Lex Luthor can say is, this doesn't hurt me, it hurts you! <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if he means the cancer is gonna, like, him having cancer hurts Superman more than it hurts him, or kryptonite's supposed to hurt him more. <laughs> You got pretty definitive proof that Kryptonite also hurts Lex Luthor. I think he mostly means, like, Superman's the paragon of good and justice, and watching his villain die of cancer is probably going to fuck him up a little bit. So do we want to start by talking about the comic book, since that's where it kind of all began? Yeah, uh, so I, I did a deep dive on some information for Marvel and DC. There's a lot of interesting things here I never knew myself before until looking into it. Uh, so, first of all, both companies are over 80 years old. Yep. Uh, DC was formed uh, back in 1934, uh, so it's 85 years old, uh, and it was under the name of National Allied Publications. DC actually comes from what their main comic was, which was Detective Comics, that's what the DC stands for, yeah. uh, which wasn't completely focused on Batman. Batman actually only came about in 1939, so about five years after the company was already founded, and he wasn't until issue 27. So uh, some of the big characters that came out of DC, obviously, was, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, kind of like the trinity of the uh, teams. The whole Justice League. Yeah, so uh, the first of them to show up was Superman in uh, 38, then Batman the year after, and then 41 was Wonder Woman. Uh, other notable teams, uh, stuff like the Justice League and Teen Titans, the Flash, all very iconic characters. And one of the main things where DC kind of differs from Marvel is DC had multiple phases uh, so they start off with the Golden Age, which is from the company beginning until around the 50s. Uh, and it was kind of like just superhero comics where they, the craze, everyone loved it. Then there was the Silver Age, which began in the 50s. This is where they started introducing more science fiction elements to the comics. Uh, so we got into a bunch of things like, you know, alternate realities and the such. Then the Bronze Age is where those ideas and just so many different variations of comics kind of caused a decline of just comics in general, especially for DC, where uh, they ended up having to almost trim down everything they were doing because there was so like you had to buy like seven different issues of seven different comics to find out what Batman was doing that week. Yeah, and that was part of the reason why I never got into reading the superhero comics. Oh, yeah, it's definitely uh, very. 
I'd go online and say, okay, I want to start reading about this hero. Where do I start? And then there are just so many different places that are suggested as starting points, and I can't choose what. Oh, fair enough. And they have helped a bit by doing uh, uh, syllabuses and... Syllabuses and anthologies. Omnibus, and yeah. Uh, anthologies, and even the fact that DC likes to reboot the universe every couple of years now. Uh, 52 yeah. was like the last big try to change, which is what we're in now is the modern age of the DC universe. And keep in mind, every time they switch this up, they're also kind of shuffling the rosters. It's not the same world as it gets addressed. The Golden Age is its own timeline, universe, so on and so forth. Modern Age uh, is kind of defined by pretty much the biggest story it's had, which was Christ and Infinite Earths, yeah. to the fact where everything pre is, uh, so Golden Age, Silver Age, and Bride is called the pre-crisis and post-crisis for everything after, and that's kind of like the big shift of the universe at this point. Uh, it was, uh, the Modern Age is pretty much a focus on revitalizing the universe and bringing back everything that worked and trying to sideline some things that didn't to come up with new stories. Uh, we had things such as Barry Allen, uh, come back as the Flash. Uh, he was gone for a bit. <laughs> I just, I, I love these ages because, like, you can kind of see the minds of the writers through the ages. Like, you start with the Golden Age, and it's essentially just like, that's where the whole line about Superman of faster than a speeding locomotive, uh, able to leap over tall buildings in a single bound, all that fun stuff. Because he didn't fly initially. He did not fly. He just jumped real good. Uh, and he wasn't insanely fast, he was just fast. Uh, and then you get to the Silver Age, where they essentially took all those powers and just took them to, like, the nth degree. And they're like, with the Flash. The Flash is my favorite example, because the Flash just got dumb in the Silver Age in, like, the best way possible. In that, like, in the Silver Age, in the Golden Age, he was just the fastest man on Earth. Yeah. That's it. That's all. In the Silver Age, he gained access to the Speed Force, which gave him a whole bunch of wonky powers... Like, he could vibrate all of the molecules in his body so fast that he could phase through solid materials. Uh, he could run on pure speed in that he could literally fly into space by running really fast. Uh, he could throw lightning. Uh, <laughs> and couldn't he, like, outrun death itself? Yes. Yeah, that, that's also a more recent storyline. Okay. They also, uh, in more recent ones, have quantified his speed in terms of the width of the known universe, because he can run that in a certain specific amount of time. And so that's how fast he can go, is just because that's how much runway there is for him to run on. Yeah. So, so Silver Age is where they kind of got a little bit silly with it, and they're like, what is the furthest we can take the idea of a character being really fast? What's all the consequences of a character being really fast beyond just them being fast? And that's where you get all this other weird stuff from. And then they get to the Bronze Age and they're like, all right, well, we got all this weird stuff. Time to throw it together into a pot and see what happens. And everyone was like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like all this weird stuff together in one spot. So people stop buying comic books. And then the modern age is kind of where they really were like, all right, this is the stuff that's cool. This is the stuff that's not cool. Him being fast makes a lot of sense. Him being fast enough to run through solid materials, less so. He can just as easily run around them in the same amount of time. Yeah, and the Bronze Age was also during where everything was getting real, like, super dark and broody, too. So it was weird, and also, like, man, that's dark. Yeah. And then uh, on the other end, we have Marvel, which is the younger company. Now, this was something I didn't know. Marvel has uh, changed their name quite a bit. Yes. So when they first popped up, popped up in uh, 1939, they were under the name of Timely Comics. Uh, and then, uh, a couple of years later, uh, in 1951, they changed their name to Atlas Comics. 
And then finally, it wasn't until 61 where we got the company known as Marvel today. And really the defining moment of why Marvel is the one that kind of stuck and nothing else before that was uh, we had writers such as Steve Ditko, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby. And really, most of the characters we know and like today from Marvel didn't start showing up until this time. Uh, yeah. Marvel, uh, as a company, kind of launched itself with Fantastic Four, came out the same year. Uh, and then we had other iconic characters like Spider-Man follow in 1962, Iron Man 1963, Captain America. Even though he's the oldest character, he was uh, released as Timely Comics in 1941, he kind of was just stopped being produced in the 50s. He was kind of like more propaganda. Yeah, he was more propaganda and didn't become his own hero until... 1964, yeah. when they brought him 64. back. 64. And then uh, iconic teams such as the Avengers and X-Men, both 1963. So all the big Marvel things you know didn't show up until the 60s. Up to this point, they were competing with DC as like their main thing, but they didn't really pop off until it was the 60s. Okay, so they're obviously more relatively recent than a lot of the original DC stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you, you can see it kind of in the character designs, too, looking between the both of them. DC characters are very much uh, amazing people with amazing abilities, uh, very top-heavy heroes, uh, punch their way through steel and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the Marvel characters seem to be more down-to-earth people who have all of a sudden have these abilities or do things scientifically that allow them to do these powerful things. Yeah, I believe Stanley explained it somewhere along the line of it's normal people thrown into extraordinary situations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of the whole with great power comes great responsibility of is what happens if a normal person was elevated to the position of a superhero. Rather than Superman where they're essentially raised as a god on earth except told to value american values and another thing most likely I, I couldn't say for sure if it's how it happened but if you look at the timeline of the two companies too the 60s would have been roughly where the decline of dc comics and their bronze age stuff going to the insanity started to decline it and then marvel was there to fill the gap with its new take on superheroes essentially yeah. right, so they probably saw how dc was going okay you're going way to left field so we're gonna Start back at the ground and work up from there. To be fair, Marvel also had its dark and brooding phase, and that was more so around the 80s. <laughs> yeah, Marvel got real dark there at a certain point. Uh, yeah, when uh, this the thing, like, they both have their own takes on stories, but where Marvel, uh, the main difference you can see between DC and Marvel is where DC very cleanly marks all of these different phases into different groups, Golden Age, Bronze Age, Silver Age, Modern Age. Marvel has just kind of been a continuity, which isn't segmented the closest we get to that is the different uh, universes so you know the ultimate universe earth 616 uh all the different ones in between yeah uh but they all keep a standard progression to each other even though technology updates to match with what should be going on and they don't kind of address the time jumps like spider-man has been all right uh he started when he was i believe 16 in the comics yeah. and now he's in his mid to late 20s but like 50 years have passed in yeah. real world and in terms of technology in his world. He went to university when you wore a tweed jacket and talked about dancing with the ladies. Yeah. Back when Ultron was beating his wife. It's also a little bit weird from that perspective as well because like Spider-Man has, yeah, aged in theory only about like six years since his inception. But so many side characters of his have gone through such, like, crazy changes where, like, <laughs> they go from the bully to, like, a supervillain when Venom gets attached to them 
to, uh, using that power to, or harnessing that power for good and then becoming a superhero all in the time span that like spider-man was taking a couple university classes yeah and um both of them have like their iconic storylines as well too uh, going into dc uh some of the big ones uh, we have the return of barry allen judas contract which was a teen titan story which dealt with the uh transition of dick grayson robin into what is now nightwing and that story actually revolved around him fighting uh deathstroke a lot uh the sinestro corp army uh dark knight returns yep all-star superman uh the great darkness saga which was a dark side story christ and infinite earth is kind of just the big one that everyone knows yeah uh kingdom come and uh my personal favorite blackest night blackest night is a fantastic storyline and then on the marvel side we have a really famous stories like the infinity gauntlet storyline uh planet hulk world war hulk which yep. is really great uh civil war uh, house of m which is a mutant based story that focuses on wanda and magneto a lot uh, demon in a bottle got talking about the dark and uh, brooding brooding uh, version of marvel that was tony stark dealing with alcoholism very uh, fitting that they chose to cast uh rdj for tony stark <laughs> uh then we have uh the galactus trilogy which is kind of like the first big story arc of marvel which was dealing with the fantastic four one of their most iconic villains uh, we have craven's last hunt a very famous spider-man <sighs> storyline I so want to see Craven in the MCU. Days of Future Past, which has been adapted into movie versions, of course. Uh, we have Dark Phoenix, another X-Men story, which is really good. That very much changed it. And uh, Secret Wars, which uh, a lot of people, when they talk about it, they think of scroll invasions, when in fact the original Secret Wars story was, uh, I can't remember the name of the villain, but it transported all the heroes to a planet to fight each other. And I believe it ends with Hulk holding up a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it's, remember what the name of the villain who did that though was though. I want to say it was uh, Krang the Conqueror. Actually, that, Conqueror. that name is really familiar. I think that's it because I know. I think it was the Justice League also did something similar to that or Teen Titans or something. All I can remember is uh, well, they're not even Marvel, but yeah, all I can remember is, <laughs> they're 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 yeah man, no. I got some bad news about the Justice League and <laughs> the MCU. No. Yeah. Because all I can remember is some group of heroes were and villains were teleported to some arena and forced to fight in some tournament by some big overseer with a red ruby. I mean, to be fair, it is a standard story that tends to get happen. Yeah. You can only have the heroes fighting villains for so long before it turns into, well, heroes got to fight each other. Yeah, that also is a similar plotline to the uh, Ultimates from Marvel, where Doctor Doom merged all of the universes into one and forced all the heroes and villains to duke it out until... Yeah, I believe that one was also called Secret War. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing. Uh, the Beyonder... The Beyonder. Know? Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right then. Yeah. It's the Beyonder who merges all the universes together and causes the first of the Secret Wars. Oh, it is a merged universe. I believe he just pulls them from their times and That's what I'm throws them onto this planet. It's like, whoever is last standing's the coolest. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, Civil War holds a special place in my heart. Uh, it's the one that originally got me into comic books. Just this whole plot line of... It's one of the more recent storylines. And it's one of those stories of... How do we make heroes fight each other just to make things interesting? Fuck it, let's just throw them at each other and see what happens. And it's this whole plot line of the superhuman registry. We saw it somewhat in the movies with the Sokovia Accords. But it's the idea of... Heroes have become a little bit unchecked in their power, and so a whole bunch of people want superheroes to be registered so that they can be held to the same standards as the police, 
Uh, yeah, and started off with, uh, I believe it was a villain named Nuke, that he ended up blowing up a bus. He blew up a bus, but uh, here is an attempting to stop him also caused collateral damage uh, and couldn't, like, save the bus. Um, and so it was one of those storylines where a whole bunch of people want superheroes to come out into the light and be honest with who they are. Tony Stark's fully behind this because Tony Stark's always been open about the fact that he's Iron Man. And he actually manages to recruit Spider-Man into revealing who he is as Peter Parker. Classic plotline of Peter Parker says that, or Spider-Man says that he's Peter Parker. Shit gets really bad for Spider-Man and Peter Parker and he needs to find a way to walk the dog back into the kennel real quick. <laughs> so he makes a deal with the devil. Yep. Uh, and Mary Jane forgets about him. But, or he loses his entire life with Mary Jane, but everyone forgets that he's Spider-Man. It's a whole uh, thing. And another thing about that too, I believe uh, part of the collateral damage was actually caused by the Hulk, which later ends up playing into the World War Hulk storyline because this ends up causing the situation where they shoot him into space. Yeah. Because yeah, Hulk and collateral ja damage go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. There's also the whole Thor goes away and leaves Earth for a little while. So Hank Pym and Tony Stark create a robotic version of Thor to like be like, don't worry guys, Thor's still here, everything's fine. And then this robotic Thor kills... Wait, 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 because this is my favorite part because I remember this happened in the comics where uh, the issue finished with saying, next issue, someone will die. And it shows a bunch of characters and it's like, oh, there's Iron Man and like Spider-Man and Captain America and Goliath who hasn't been in the comics as a main character for like the last... 10, 15 years, like, I wonder who's gonna die! It's like, it's obviously Goliath. Yeah, it's, it's a Goliath. random guy you're showing in the panel who wasn't really that involved up to this point. So they show Goliath, Goliath gets killed by robotic Thor, everyone thinks it's actually Thor, except for Hank Pan and, Pym and Iron Man, who know that robotic Thor is actually robotic Thor. And this is what causes Thor to come back, because he's like, holy fuck, they're ruining my reputation down there. And so Thor comes back and just rips robotic Thor the fucking half. It's a great storyline. I think, with the limited knowledge I have from the CMU, my favorite storyline so far is definitely Civil War. Because all the hero movies up to that point, it was cut and dry, who's good, who's bad, which side's the right side to cheer for. Civil War, it's all gray. Because you've got the one side who says, hey, we should be registered and held accountable for what we're doing. And the other side's like, we're heroes, we do this because no one else can. And we don't have to be registered for it. And they start fighting. You don't know who to cheer for because they're both kind of right in a sentence. To be fair, it's not we're heroes. We don't have to register ourselves because uh, no one can do what we're doing. Because that makes them sound kind of like well, dicks who are like, yeah, we get to do what we want. Kind of it's more so we're heroes. And if we register ourselves and make it clear who we are, it puts people near us in danger, and that's why they didn't want to register themselves. Yeah, and also there was, like, a minor thing about, too, like, well, you're aligning yourself, and you pretty much are tied to the government in that sense, too, which was kind of touched on a bit in the movie. The comic did play it very much dab line, and, like, there was no real good or bad side, but both sides are making good choices and also really bad choices to get their point across, uh, such as, you know, Tony Stark beating the shit out of Spider-Man. Oh, fuck. Uh, or even, you know, Robot Thor was a bad one. Uh, Captain America releases all the prisoners on the Ark. Yep. That's a choice that was made by what is arguably considered a hero. Hey. Uh, and for that one, it did play down the line where both sides are doing bad and good things for 
what they saw was the greater good. The yeah. movie version, though, I think it very much, and this is probably because it was a Captain America movie, leaned very heavily to Captain America was the right one. Yeah, Captain America's a good guy. Everyone else is just trying to pin Captain America down and help out Hydra in the process. Yeah, no, the movie's very heavily led toward a good side and a bad side. And, like, they're still heroes, and they're on the bad side for the right reasons, but they're still on the bad side. Yeah, essentially the movie version was good heroes doing the good thing and misinformed heroes doing what they thought was the good thing. Yeah. Uh, and then the comic books were very much more so less cut and dry and a lot more of there is no right answer. You just have to go with your heart and try and save as many people as possible, which is kind of an interesting plot line for comic book heroes to be put through because it's like, normally you're just always doing what's right because you're a hero. But like the idea of not knowing what the right thing to do is and trying to find a way to do it anyways it's a very interesting plot line well it's kind of like that whole thing going back to marvel and dc their differences marvel a regular person being thrust into this position whereas dc it suddenly is a god who can do no wrong like superman he's always doing the right thing except when he doesn't yeah <laughs> which there's is... a couple plot lines of superman doing the wrong thing hey, isn't there a th whole thing about evil superman yeah, uh, well, there's a few evil Supermans. Uh, there's Bizarro Superman from the Bizarro Realm, who is just Superman in power and personality. He's the complete opposite of Superman. One of my favorite ones, I forget what it's named. It's like the Red Curtain or something like that. And it's oh, Red Super Dawn? Red, uh, is it Red Dawn? It's the one where Superman lands in Russia instead of yeah. Kansas. That one's a phenomenal storyline. <laughs> uh, there's uh, also uh, the Injustice Universe, which is uh, made popular with the... Well, it was the video games and they made the comics with it as well, where it's what happens when the Joker makes Superman kill his own wife. Yeah. Uh, a whole bunch of bad shit, apparently. Uh, he also uh, kills Billy Batson. Not Shazam, Billy Batson. Yeah. And I love the part in that in the game, too, where he kills him, and everyone's like, he just killed a kid. Yeah. Yeah, he's holding uh, Shazam by the throat, melting his face with his laser eyes. He's like, that's a child. That's... That's, it may have a man's body, but that's a child right there that that's happening to. That is dark. Yep. It's yeah. very dark. There's also, because uh, there's so many different versions of Kryptonite that have different effects on Superman. Like, there's green Kryptonite, which just takes away his powers. I think it's red Kryptonite uh, makes him very mad and aggressive all the time. Yep. Uh, and essentially turns him into a supervillain if he's around it too long. There's also, like... Batman, who most people would argue, very easy to see how he does shitty things because he kind of does shitty things regularly. But him, like, creating contingency plans for how to defeat the rest of the Justice League if any of them ever turns evil. And then a villain getting their hands on this and using it to incapacitate the rest of the Justice League. Uh, I will say, though, uh, they, do a, they do a really good storyline in the DC Universe where... They address the fact that Batman is definitely 100% the odd man out in the Justice League, which is like godlike people doing those things. And Batman's just a guy with a bunch of gear. Where, but he uh, still has all the flaws of being a guy yeah, with the gear. I can't remember the, the name of the storyline itself, but it was these superheroes came to planet Earth and they were working with the Justice League. And we found out, I think they were White Martians or something like White Martians. And they had infiltrated completely and taken over everything and even caught all of the Justice League. And they... There's a part where Batman is flying in on his uh, bat plane and they blow it out of the sky and it blows up and it's like, oh, he's dead. So we have to worry about him. And there's a part where they're interrogating them and Superman tells him, you better hope Batman's dead because if he's not dead, you're all going to lose because there's a reason he's on the Justice League and we're all scared of him. <laughs> 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 
And then, of course, Superman was alive, uh, not Superman, Batman was alive, comes back and beats all of these people single-handedly that the Justice League could not. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I just love that whole plotline of, like, Batman having contingency plans and just, like, the ways he defeats all the other heroes. Like, for Martian Manhunter, he realizes that while he, he's invulnerable to fire, he's also terrified of fire. And so he's like, if I can just get him to drink this unknown substance, it will cause him to sweat something that when exposed to air will ignite into flames. So he will literally sweat fire for uh, 24 hours. And that's how I'll incapacitate him for a while. And it was just like, holy fuck, Batman. You're like having conversations with your friend, fighting their deepest, darkest fears. Like, cool, writing that down for later if I ever need to kill you. And that's the thing, too. Like, Batman has, for good reason, gotten the title of being the person who wins any fight if he's got enough time to prep. Yeah, it's uh, also him and Darkseid, or not him and Darkseid, him and the Flash are the only ones who have never been hit by Darkseid's Omega Beam. Because it's this beam that randomly spreads out through the, the room and like hits so many spaces. And if it hits you, it fucks you up real good. Yeah, and the Flash uh, can just dodge it because he's fast. But, but Batman. Batman has actually calculated and knows exactly where to stand so that he'll never be hit by Darkseid's <laughs> Omega Beam. Well, he got hit by it once, but it didn't fuck him up. It just sent him through time. Yeah, that's right. Probably calculated. He on probably planned on that. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite and the most memorable moment of the Justice League TV series for me was when uh, their big satellite station in space, Batman made this huge laser as like a self defense or as a Earth defense mechanism, and Lex Luthor hacked into the satellite and fired it at Earth. And so all the Justice League turned themselves into the government. Yeah, we have to be held accountable for this because this is ultimately our fault for letting this happen. And they're like, where's Batman? And the Flash is just like, oh, the Batmobile lost a wheel. The Joker, he got away. <laughs> I remember there's like so many times too where like something will happen uh, that they need to call in all the uh, Justice League for. And like all the characters will be like surprised. And then he gets to Batman he's like, I'm already aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh God, what's happening? What? 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 Yes, of course. Let's get down to business. You guys are just learning about this now? I've known about this for months. <laughs> and that's the, uh, the some of the fun things about it too. Like, I definitely, when I was younger, got into Marvel more, but that's, that's also because I was mainly exposed to the X-Men animated series, which was amazing, yeah. and that got me into the comic books. Now, it's kind of weird, but even though DC seems a bit, like, segmented, I always found that DC tend to have, like, the more amazing and cool storylines, whereas Marvel, it was the characters were, more, like, the stories aren't always that good, but the characters involved with it just made it amazing. Yeah, like, there are some messed up things that happen in Marvel, and it's just like, this is an interesting story. But just, like, watching how real people interact with these situations makes the stories a lot more compelling. Whereas, you're reading Justice League, and you're like, oh my god, this is insane. How are they going to get out of this? Yeah, it's and, my like, they really are good at playing up, like, the fights between the characters and make them really cool. Like, Batman doing math to dodge Omega Beams shouldn't be cool when you read it on paper, but they just make the fight amazing. Yeah. Or, or what is it, uh... From uh, one of the Justice League animated series where, like, the Green Lantern's going in to fight the guy and just immediately gets knocked back and stands back up. <laughs> that and, like, one thing I will say that uh, DC's really good at uh, is monologuing. As just, like, having their characters explain why they're a hero and all that shit. Like, I don't remember the entire monologue. But there's one where uh, the Flash is explaining things from his perspective. And how slow everything moves to his per from his perspective because he can perceive a femtosecond, which is like 
a billionth of a second. Uh, and just, like, him explaining, like, I saw this coming years ago because I knew everything that was happening. Just, like, their monologues. Also reminds me of one of my, uh, another one of my favorite scenes from the comic books, which is a villain uh, corners the Flash and shoots him. And then it goes into Flash's mind while he's thinking through all of his, like, reactions and everything that brought him up to here and what he's going to do to get out of here. And then, like, we're only brought out of his thought process. Like, it doesn't even, like, show him still in the scene. It, like, completely cuts away to what's going on inside his head. And then we're only brought back to the scene by the bullet pressing against his forehead. And he's like, oh, right, yeah. Gotta be in the real world right now for a second. <laughs> he steps out of the way of the bullet. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely a lot of, like, those interesting character moments, which you can do where they're, even though they're supposed to be people, they're not really. No. Uh, at the point they are in the DC comics, they're legendary creatures, I guess, for lack of a better term. Although, probably my favorite DC character, who, to my knowledge, aside from the comics, has only had, like, one animated show and has never appeared anywhere else aside from the comics, Static Shock. Because he seemed like a very grounded character who just happened to gain electricity powers. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Static Shock isn't originally a DC character. He's a character that was brought into the fold. He was a part of a different company. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but they bought them up. Okay. It's kind of the same with The Watchmen. So The Watchmen is uh, originally a story from a different comic series that got bought up by uh, DC. And essentially what ends up happening is they really like the story that Watchmen was but kind of ends with most of those characters being dead or horribly ruined by the end of that. So they ended up making them into uh, part of the DC universe and then recreated Watchmen with new characters. So, for example, Rorschach, which was created for Watchmen when they made that, isn't the original character he was based off. It was the question. A okay. man with a giant question mark and no face. Or uh, Blue Beetle was actually uh, the owl guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, Night Owl. Night Owl was originally Blue Beetle. Yeah. Um, speaking of, like, these comic acquisitions, I want to talk about a really fun story. Um, I don't know if fun's the right word, but the fact that there's two Captain Marvels, and one of them's owned by Marvel, and one of them's owned by DC. Yeah. Uh, and it essentially starts with, uh, Shazam, if you didn't know, his actual name is Captain Marvel as a hero. Uh, and Shazam's, Shazam is just the name of what he has to say to access the power of Captain Marvel, it's an acronym for all the powers that he has. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, or Captain Marvel originally started as a comic book that was owned by neither DC Comics nor Marvel Comics. I don't remember who the original owner was. I should have been more prepared for this story. <laughs> um, and they created this character. Uh, and then their comic book company started to go out of business. And DC was like, this is a really cool character. They'd fit in really well with our characters. We're going to buy you up so that we can have this character. Uh, and they created this character instead of publishing Captain Marvel, da-da-da-da-da, fighting his many villains. Um, and at this point, Marvel had recently changed their name to Marvel, or had been Marvel for a while. I don't remember how long. I'm bad at this story. I apologize ahead <laughs> of time. I know you're going to complain. I don't care. Um, and so Marvel was like, no, you can't have a character named Captain Marvel it's just going to be confusing. So they sued uh, DC for the naming rights of Captain Marvel. DC lost that suit, and so they could no longer call their character Captain Marvel. His still name is still Captain Marvel, but on all publications, they have to advertise it under a different name, which is why they started advertising him under the name of Shazam instead of Captain Marvel. And then, like, a couple years later, Marvel's like, well, we got the naming rights of Captain Marvel. 
Let's make a hero named Captain Marvel just because we have the naming rights already. Anyways. So we have the Kree warrior Marvel. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing. Hmm. Yep, yeah, and eventually ends up Marvel ends up dying, coming back, dying again, and all the while there's Miss Marvel who has powers from, and recently she ended up getting the mantle passed to her of being Captain Marvel. Yeah, Miss Marvel's a fun one. I like Miss Marvel. Oh yeah, she's definitely she's been a fun a... character polymorphist or whatever it's called she can change yeah. her shape at will yeah the current one camilla Khan, which was the replacement for the old miss marvel uh she's a uh, inhuman uh who uh ends up wanting to be a superhero and actually in her first fight when she's learning her power she actually physically turns into like the 90s miss marvel with her yeah. costume and everything <laughs> to fight the bad guy yeah and which is kind of what makes her end up taking on the miss marvel mo- uh, like mantra and all that so speaking of comic books seems like a good time to talk about what I thought we were talking about today, which is the comic book storyline of DC versus Marvel, which is the storyline, if you're not aware of it, uh, these two cosmic beings who are also brothers for some reason, uh, become aware of each other's existence, which is weird because if they're brothers, you'd think they already know about each other, but they don't. Regardless, uh, both of them are the manifestations of the DC universe and the Marvel universe. They become aware of each other and they're like, let's fight to the death. And they're like, let's not fight to the death, because that's boring, and then one of us would have to die. Instead, let's have our children fight to the death and see what happens. And so, from this, we end up getting 11 different fights between different characters of the Marvel and DC universe to kind of duke it out and figure out which one has the greater suite of heroes. Uh, And it's this fascinating storyline of, like, everyone's favorite, like, heroes fighting against each other. And it's all, like, similar settings, like... Uh, one of the first ones is Aquaman versus Namor, and, like, who's the better aquatic-based hero? And most of you out there know one of those names and not the other one, and that's the one who won the fight. It was Aquaman. Namor won? (laughs) (laughs) Aquaman won the fight. Uh, and so there were six storylines that, like... I gotta stop you there. He's the Submariner. Sorry. Six people went through, uh, six of these fights they had pre-planned out and written the endings of, but during the initial runs while they were releasing these ones... Uh, they uh, announced to the fans what the final five fights were going to be and asked for fan input on who they think should win these fights because they wanted the fans to get involved in the discussion as well. So the first six fights were Aquaman versus Namor, Catwoman versus Elektra, Quicksilver versus Flash, uh, Robin versus Jubilee, uh, the Silver Surfer versus the Green Lantern, and Thor versus Shazam. And they played it out so that there was three DC wins and three Marvel wins. So it really came down to the fan votes, but they got to write some really cool fights. Uh, between them. Well, who won the first set of fights there? Uh, so Aquaman, Aquaman beat Namor. Classic fight. Uh, kicked the shit out of Namor and then pinned him to the ground. And they're like, Namor can't move, so Namor loses. Uh, Elektra beat Catwoman by cutting her whip in half. And so that Catwoman couldn't fight anymore. <laughs> it was a weird thing. Oh no, my only ability to attack with. A whip. Not these claws I have on my hands. Can't use those. Uh, Flash beat Quicksilver. Robin beat Jubilee. So at this point in the comics, DC was actually up three to one against Marvel. The Silver Surfers kicked the shit out of the Green Lantern. I would expect as much. Yeah. Uh, And then my favorite of the fights, Thor versus Captain Marvel or Shazam, whatever you want to call him. Um, Thor ends up winning, not because of the fact that like Thor is so much stronger than Captain Marvel, but because early on in the fight... Captain Marvel's like, I gotta get out of this. So he changes into Billy Batson with the intention of changing back into Captain Marvel later in the fight. Uh, so he says Shazam, lightning bolt comes down, strikes him, he's a normal kid again. And then he runs away and he says Shazam again, except instead of the lightning bolt coming down to hit him, 
Thor catches on to what's happening and uses Mjolnir to capture the lightning bolt. And then from that point onwards, Billy Batson can't turn back into Captain Marvel because every time he tries to, Thor just captures the lightning and Thor just kicks the shit out of him. I was going to say, I hope, I hope this ends with him beating the shit out of Billy Batson. Oh my god. Oh, it's amazing. Typical Thor. Uh, so then we get into the five fights that were uh, left up to the fans to who would win. Uh, first of those fights is the fight everyone was waiting for. Everyone's been at home typing in the blogs who would win in a fight between uh, Superman, Goku versus Superman. Superman and the Hulk, actually. And as we all know, Superman wins that fight any day. Yeah. Whoever Superman fought was going to say it's probably going to be Superman. Yeah. Uh, then we get uh, Spider Man versus Superboy. Spider Man just decimates. Well, fan Superboy. votes alone, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we have Batman versus Captain America. And this is one I like how they're like, oh, let's just take two normal humans who were given like special abilities. One in the form of gadgets, one in the form of superpowers. And a shield. And a shield. Um, and see who wins in the fight. And the fans are like, it doesn't matter about the gadgets versus superpowers. You're talking about Batman's mind versus Captain America's mind. Captain America doesn't stand a fucking chance. Batman decimates Captain America. I, I'm kind of hoping, because I haven't read the, this uh, storyline, that... How severely that the character got beat was based on the skew of votes. Yeah. <laughs> so could you just imagine? Because Captain America was never a really popular character until the movies. So I'm just imagining Batman must have just won with a landslide of votes just from name recognition alone. So would like would that be like a panel of Batman walking in, battering him in the head, and the battery explodes, blowing off Captain America's head, and he's like, I gotta go do other stuff, and just leaves. <laughs> it's like the classic Indiana Jones fight where like Harrison Ford was sick on the day and they had this whole choreographed fight. Harrison Ford's like, what if we just do this? He pulls out a gun and shoots the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's that whole thing of Batman being like, I don't really care. And he just like, I also like, I haven't, it's been a while since I read them. And I don't remember this expi uh, fight explicitly. But I think it'd be just amazing if like, Batman just reverse engineered the super soldier serum. And just like, <laughs> turned Captain America back into a guy. And then beat him up. <laughs> With his own shield. Yeah. Uh, then we have Wolverine versus Lobo. Which is another one of those ones, just name recognition alone is what won it for Wolverine. Yeah. And then we have one of the ones that I was a little bit surprised with the way it went, but I kind of accept, which was Storm versus Wonder Woman. Uh, now, normally I would say Wonder Woman should probably win, but when was the series? Do you know what year it happened? Let me double check. I have it written down. Because I have a feeling if it happened anywhere near the 90s cartoon... Storm yeah. would win hands down because Storm was just so much more. Yeah. Well, well, the now. '90s cartoon. Are you talking about the one where they were all high school students? No, was, okay. that, that was the early 2000s. The, okay, 1996. Yeah, so it was definitely because I believe uh, the animated X Men was '94, '95. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, name recognition alone is what won it for Storm there. Yeah. Um, and so after all of that, we end up with Marvel winning with six fights to five. Except rather than the brothers from this cosmic storyline being like, all right, that means that Marvel wins. They then go on to an even wackier plotline, which is not in the same series of comic books, but Baking it's like a contest. continuation. No, it's called Amalgam. And they take the best aspects of both heroes from the fight and put them into one hero to see how well that hero does on his own. So you end up with the powers of Captain America with the brains of Batman and seeing how badass that hero that is. That sounds horrifying. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that one did not last long. I think it was an 11 comic book run, but it was just like... Holy shit, the things they came up with in that amalgam. But that's not what Greg asked us to talk about, so I'm not going to talk about the amalgam uh, right Also, now. just thinking about Aquaman and Namor is like the lamest one still. <laughs> he gets nothing else out of that. 
You can breathe underwater and talk to fish now. I could already do both of those things. But now you can do it twice as good. Also, the Flash versus Quicksilver, does that just mean Flash is now slower? (laughs) (laughs) We had to pick the average speed between the both of you. Our way of merging your powers together is the Flash, your legs are now chained together. (laughs) With with a chain made out of Quicksilver. You know, Uh, honestly, I would say out of all those mixtures... Uh, Silver Surfer, Green Lantern is probably the strongest thing. Yeah, that sounds fucking horrifying. I also love the idea of Hulk Superman, because it's essentially Superman, except without any of his, like, boundaries and checks in place to keep him from murdering every single civilian of Earth. (laughs) That's the only one I can see that makes a villain out of this situation. Just pure Superman strength with no restraint. Yeah. (laughs) I need to pick these up now, take a look at that. Although that's impressive that with a fan vote covering the back half... That it was such a close one, too. Yeah. I think they did a really good job of choosing what fights. Because if they had swapped any of those fights from the back half to the front half, like, for instance, if they had swapped Aquaman versus Namor for, like, the Batman versus Captain America, they could have had a lot more control over who won in the Batman versus Captain America. And you know the Aquaman versus Namor was still going to go the same way with Aquaman yeah. winning. Uh, and, yeah, the only ones I can think of that might have been different with the fan votes... Uh, would have been uh, Electra versus Catwoman. I can see easily going Catwoman's way. Yeah. But aside from that, I think the rest of them turned out the way they did. Maybe Green uh, Green Lantern Silver Surfer goes the other way, even though it shouldn't, it considering really... how powerful Silver Surfer is. Yeah, he has the power cosmic. He really shouldn't be losing that fight. But yeah, just based on like fan understanding, I can see more people voting for Green Lantern, but it really should be Silver Surfer winning over Green Lantern. But yeah, the rest of them, they definitely called it the way that most fans would vote. I don't think anyone would vote for Jubilee over Robin to win that fight. Well, it depends on the Robin, though. Fair. There's been a couple iterations. What uh, What if instead they made it a fan vote, but just made it Jubilee versus all of the Robins? Well, it's easy. The Robins kill each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the Robins kill each other, and Jason Todd left over, and Jason Todd kills himself. <laughs> I don't want to deal with this anymore. <laughs> just Batman off in the corner shaking his head. Batman off in the corner and then he kills Jubilee too. He's like, no, no one wins this fight. <laughs> I don't I want any of this word getting out. The last panel is just Batman beating the shit out of the writer for the comic books. <laughs> I can't believe you put me through this. <laughs> so Matt, what did you want to talk about? All I had going into this was knowledge of the movies. So do you guys care to enlighten me anything of the uh, differences between what happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or like the Dark Knight trilogy or any of the DC movies that are different from the stories in the comics? Well, for the movies, for the most part, they don't really take the exact adaptions. It's more of just taking the name and concepts. Uh, was it Dark Knight Rises had very little in common with the Dark Knight, except oh. for the city being in like gang warfare type, like the, the situation of the city kind of was close to it, but. The story was very different. Yeah, it didn't follow the same plot points at all. They more of just, like, I find most of the movies, they take iconic moments and adapt them in a way that works. For example, yeah. a Batman getting his back broken by Bane. That's not how it happens in the comics, but it's still, like, iconic enough of a scene that if you do it anyway, as long as you meet certain parameters, it makes sense. Yeah, it's a lot less of them taking, like, this is the plot of a comic book, let's make a movie based on this, and more so, like, there's a comic book about a war between uh, about the heroes of Marvel Universe fighting against each other uh, out of the superhero registry. 
let's make a movie based on that. And that's how Captain America Secret War came in. Or not Secret War, Civil War. Yeah, it's got the same name as the Captain, uh, the original comic books, but it's not following the same plot at all. Yeah, and in the movie, the Civil War fight is not a hero registry where it's like, oh, we have to register your names because all that information is already out in the universe. It was more of you work for the UN now or a branch of the yeah, UN. Yeah, you right. need to sign on to work for the UN to have your uh, things be accountable. Essentially a superhero license of sorts. Yeah. And like, if something happens and we need you, we'll call you. And just like the comics, right after the events, it kind of just disappeared because they didn't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. They're like, uh, Thanos. Thanos is a good thing to make everyone forget about the Sokovia Accords. <laughs> Thanos. We'll just make everyone who came up with the idea disappear in the blip. <laughs> Again, for like, even on the uh, DC side of things, they don't take exact shot for shots of any of the comics. It's more of they just take specific scenes or iconic moments for example the flash popping up through a time portal to warn someone about something that's happening in the future flash tends to do that quite a bit yes time travel comes with speed as everyone knows uh spider-man uh a very iconic moment uh, from the first sam raimi movie where he drops off the cart and mary jane off the bridge and it's like you have to make the choice very much alluding to the death of gwen stacy uh from the comics which they they've actually covered that death or done references to it three times in each of the different Spider-Man series. Yeah. In the Sam Raimi one, it was that drop from the first movie. In the Andrew Garfield ones, it was in the second movie, they literally have Gwen Stacy dropping and him actually, her dying as a result of it, which is exactly as it played out in the, well, not exactly the same, but it's this fairly similar to how it played out in the uh, comic books. And then in the new ones with Tom Holland, we have from the first one when they're in the Washington Monument and the elevator breaks and... MJ falls in the elevator and he catches her with his... No, she actually was in the elevator. It was the other girl. Oh, it was the other girl. Um, I can't remember because she was just Vulture's daughter. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I I was hoping it was going to come to me. It did not. Uh, Yeah, it's that whole idea of someone dropping down a chasm and him catching them at the last second. And in the comic books, he catches her at the last second and she dies uh, from whiplash of her catching her. Because the thing about catching someone that people like to talk about in comic books is if you catch someone just before they hit the concrete and they stop in your arms, it's just as bad as if they had have hit the concrete. And of course there has been the reverse of things too, where uh, iconic scenes have been from movies have been then moved into the comics. For example, the scene from the Sam Raimi ones where Spider-Man stopping the train, uh, that one was actually into putting into a comic later on just because it was such a well done scene. Yeah. It originated in the movies and then was reused later. Uh, Dancing Spider-Man was purged from everyone's memories. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the comic books and the movies, they're different entities. They're same kind of IPs, but I think Marvel handle, handles it very well, where they have a whole bunch of different uh, universes in the comic books, and they're just... So the, like, the cinematic universe is just a different one of these universes. Okay. The plot lines aren't the same as any of the comic books. But they might pull beats from them the same way that uh, the different comic books pull beats from each other and while then, being in yeah. different universes. And then obviously there's still the nods back to the comic books. Like that whole thing that arose when uh, Captain America is like, Hail Hydra in the comic books. And just the fan base goes crazy. Yeah, they end a comic book with him saying, Hail Hydra. And the fan base gets to chew on that for a while, being like, why the fuck is Captain America saying Hail Hydra? The thing I found funny about that, too, they were like, oh no, this is real Captain America, he's been Hydra the whole time, and it's like, no, he hasn't. No, he absolutely hasn't. And then Uh, it was was like, it was time magic. 
And then in the... And then we get in the uh, endgame, time magic, or time travel, uh, leading to him saying Hail Hydra to another guy to get the scepter. Yep. When it comes to DC and Marvel, when it comes to their visual mediums as well, TV and movies, I think it's safe to say Marvel has very much nailed down the movie cinematic universe, whereas they've had the trouble of getting into the TV stuff, whereas mm. DC has easily had no problem making successful TV shows. Uh, currently, it's referred to as the Arrowverse for all the stuff they got going, which is Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning. Uh, there's the Batwoman one coming up soon. Well, I think it's all—it's the stuff we already discussed at the beginning of like the differences between these two uh, worlds of why they hold themselves better to the different mediums. Movies are very dependent on the characters and putting characters in strange situations and seeing how they handle it. And whereas uh, Marvel tends to have a lot stronger characters and a lot less interesting plot lines a lot of the time, it kind of fits well in the movie thing where like you don't need to have a huge string of crazy plot lines in a movie. You just need like a single good story and great characters and everyone will love it. And that's how the MCU works. Whereas TV shows, you don't need to have characters that grow personally over time. Like, yes, they do in the TV shows, but you want to be able to just jump in and watch a single episode and have it be fun and silly and great and that's what the dc storylines lend themselves to really well is great stories with characters that don't need to grow and change a huge amount over the course of the stories right so like for movies especially the cinematic universe that spans multiple movies the characters need to be relatable to the audience that's why it helps with marvel so much that the characters are so grounded and down to earth like uh, iron man is probably one of my favorite heroes who starts off as just this billionaire all full of himself and then he becomes iron man he makes this suit and starts saving people but in the movies he's portrayed as okay this is going to my head i'm this huge superhero icon now i am iron man i am iron man you can't take the suit away and create another hero because the suit is not the hero it's the man inside the suit and then he goes on to grow from that to realize okay i actually am iron man i have to take on the actual responsibilities that it entails oh definitely and like when it comes to comic book tv shows or movies i always felt that the movies were good for telling a singular story whereas a tv adaption is better for just the character itself Uh, and there's a lot more focus put on the characters obviously in marvel itself uh and just the situations and I don't know. I just don't know why D, uh, DC has like the like the final nail in there with the TV shows, where Marvel just can't seem to get it in there. Like uh, Agents of Shield, I watched everything of Agents of Shield up to today, and it was bad at the beginning. I guess because they're trying to tie it into the movies, and it kind of became its own thing, which is really good, I find. But DC just for the longest time had TVs nailed down. So there was this uh, Smallville. They had Flashback in the '90s, which they end up uh, having that actor come back to be. Uh, Barry Allen's father, and also ends up playing Jay Garrick. I, uh, I think the reason that DC has a tough time with movies is the same reason why Marvel has a tough time with the TV shows. Is they're both trying to learn lessons from the MCU, where DC, rather than building up individual movies and then building a universe around that, they're trying to jump right into the universe game, and like they're trying to set up the Justice League before they have any of the individual characters set up at the same time marvel is when they make when they made their four defenders netflix shows they were great shows but they tried to tie them too heavily to the mcu and 
they were fine to watch without it, but it definitely was one of those things where, like, the more you watched the MCU, the better the understanding you had of those shows. And the more you watched the, the other shows, the better the shows tied together. And that's not what you want from a TV show. You don't want a TV show that you have to watch 17 movies and three other TV shows for this one TV show to make sense. Yeah, you have to make it a good standalone and then go from there. And that's... Marvel took their time with it. Uh, they built up these characters and then they mixed them together to make the Avengers movie. Whereas with uh, the current uh, Arrowverse uh, for the TV series, they started with Arrow. It ran for about three seasons and then they introduced The Flash and that ran for a couple seasons and then they started branching out the series from there and now it's just as big, yeah. uh, I would say, on TV standards as the Marvel Universe or movie standards. Yeah. And it's just that difference of like they both took their time building up their brand whereas when they tried to swap from movies to TV shows or from TV shows to movies, they tried to cut in line and have start with something that was already pre-built. Yeah, and starting with Justice League for like their big, well, I guess it started with Batman versus Superman, but still. They start with Batman versus Superman, which focuses at least loosely on the three primary members of the Justice League and then try to spread from there to do the whole Justice League in two movies. Whereas there was what, like, uh, the first Avengers was the sixth movie? In the... uh, so it was Iron Man, the Hulk, which doesn't get mentioned too often, Thor, and Captain America. So it would have been the fifth movie. Fifth movie. Uh, and they took the time Wait, to... no, because there was two Iron Mans in there. Yeah. yeah, so it was the sixth movie... And they took the time to individually build up all these heroes without, like, yes, they were planning on bringing them all together. And there were hints of that in post-credit scenes. But, like, nothing about the movie made it clear that, like, this was just a prequel to the Avengers coming out. They were all great standalone films that eventually built themselves into a cinematic universe. As opposed to just trying to jump the boat and be like, alright, movie one is going to be Iron Man. In Iron Man, we're going to introduce both Captain America and the Hulk, and then we're going to jump right into Civil, uh, into the Avengers movie, too. Yeah, no, the way that Marvel handled it is just uh, a lot better, because once they finally did come together, it just felt more natural. And it's the problem that everyone else is having right now, where they're trying to learn from the Marvel's lesson, be like, cinematic universes are great, because if we make a cinematic universe... We're not selling a single movie ticket. We're selling 20 movie tickets that people are buying onto at the yeah, first Yeah, as soon movie. as they get invested, they're going to go to all of them. I've gone to all of them. Yeah, I've gone to every single one of the Marvel movies. I've seen them all in theaters. It's great. Um, but just having people like, oh my god, the dark universe that Universal tried to do. Uh, <laughs> the game is on. Where they were like, oh, cinematic universes are where it's at. Let's do this. Let's make a mummy movie, but while we're making the mummy movie, we'll set up a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde movie, as well as an Invisible Man movie, and all these movie monsters that we have already the rights to. I mean, they tried to do this before, too, with, uh, uh, what was it, Dracula Untold? Yes. Uh, and honestly, I am actually disappointed. Like, I so badly wanted this to work, because the original connected universe of movies was monster movies. Yeah. Because they, they crossed over all the time with the old Frankenstein, Dracula, the mummy. Like, that was, well, like, the big crossovers that happened back in the day. The original original was actually Godzilla movies with all the different the kaiju movies yeah but they didn't have their own movies yeah but they each instead of it just being like Godzilla movies and all of these different movies together they're like here's a Godzilla movie here's a Mothra movie here's Godzilla versus Mothra here's Godzilla versus Mothra versus Gogma or whatever his name is (laughs) and they just like had these interconnected string of movies of movie monster of kaijus and, like, balancing them out and putting them together. And it got real wacky and dumb. But, yeah, it was... They've been making movie uh, universes for a while now. And, like, 
now that the Marvel's made it real big doing them, everyone wants to make them, but no one wants to take the time to lay the foundation for one, and they just want to jump right into the universe feet first. Uh, now, I will say, uh, just like those brothers from the Marvel vs. DC, Greg did put us into this room to decide which was better. Yeah. So, so... Uh, let's let's build up to this with some questions. I don't want to get straight into it. I want to work our way up to it. So, let's see. Be- best character from Marvel and DC for both of you. Ooh. Well, I already said my two favorite characters. My favorite character from DC. Well, since he wasn't originally DC, Static Shock, I'm not going to say. No, you can stick with that. Okay. He's DC now. Then I'll stay with Static Shock. I'd like to see him more. I would love to see a movie come out from him because I've only seen the movies. He's only got the TV show right now. I know, sadly. <laughs> and my favorite... I don't mean the Static Shock cartoon. I mean the Black Lightning TV show. Oh, he does have a TV show. Yeah, that's Static Shock. Okay, then I've got to watch that now. (laughs) Adult Static Shock. Still, I'm going to watch it, because he was my favorite hero from DC. (laughs) And uh, from Marvel, I already said Iron Man, because he just felt, like I said, a really down-to-earth character. Sure, he was a millionaire, not many people can relate to that, but (laughs) uh, he had a lot of flaws. He was not a perfect person by any sense of the word. My bad. Uh, for me, I would have to say on the DC side of things, it has to be Batman. Batman's kind of like the first big one I got into with, you know, the Batman movies. Although, uh, Flash is a very close second. Uh, and then on the Marvel side of things, I would have to say it's kind of hard because the X-Men is my favorite comic series. So it's really hard to narrow down to one X-Men, uh, but it would probably come down to probably Wolverine or Cyclops. I'd probably lean more towards Cyclops. Yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> Cyclops gets shit on too much, I feel. You basic bitch. <laughs> Actually, no, at this point in time, saying you like Wolverine makes you a basic bitch. <laughs> I enjoy the guy who was in all the X-Men movies. Um, so for DC, I'd probably have to say Flash, just because I love all the wonky shit that comes out of being the fastest man alive. And like the shit they do where like... We didn't even talk about this when we were doing the Silver Age of Comics, but another one of his dumb things that they did as a consequence of being that fast... Was he punches someone and makes his fist go so near the speed of light that it gains infinite mass? Yeah, the infinite mass punch. Infinite mass, infinite bl- or speed of light punch, and it just fucking decimates people. Uh, so I love the Flash for all the wonkiness that comes out of him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the equivalent of just pressing the delete button on someone. Yeah, and then for Marvel, uh, lesser known character really want to see him get his own movie one of these days is Moon Knight. I fucking oh, love Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Who? Moon Knight's phenomenal. Moon Knight is a crazy man with three personalities that's kind of like Batman and fights crime. He's but like, he's on a mission from the moon god. He's uh, he's like Batman if Batman only wore white and was crazy. Oh, okay, so Batman but he wears white. Yeah. And believes that the moon tells him things to do. <laughs> if, I, if I remember correctly, there's also a storyline where a few of the uh, Marvel characters travel back in time, and Hawkeye ends up making the weapons that Moon Knight uses later. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. I love Moon Knight. Because I believe before they doubled down, it's like, yeah, the Moon God's a real thing. He works for it. But recently they've been like, is the Moon God a real thing, though? Or is this guy just crazy? Because he's got three personalities. One's a taxi driver. One's a businessman that runs a company. And the other is the Moon Knight. Yeah. Huh. And they work with each other to solve crimes. Yeah, they're aware of each other's existence, aware that they share a body, and they're like, alright, here's what's gonna happen. I need you to do this, Mr. Taxi Driver. Also, his suit is mechanical. Okay. So he does. He has a robotic suit, because I remember there was the, the one thing where one of the villains like blew up a support pillar for a building, 
to like pretty much crush him. So he had to use the suit to prop up the building, and he jumped out of it to fight the guy while his suit was holding up the building. That just sounds like four different writers had very different ideas for a character, couldn't decide on which one to use as the main character, and just decided to throw them all together. You know who it sounds like, Matt? Who? It sounds like my character from our superhero D&D. <laughs> Loosely inspired by Moon Knight. I was going to say it sounds like a Batman, Iron Man, and a few other characters mixed into each other. Okay, so we got the, the favorite hero characters. What about villain characters? Oh, now I'm going to sound like a basic bitch. Um, <laughs> Thanos and Darkseid. Is that... Thanos is my Marvel one because I love some of the Thanos plotlines. Like, if you've ever read the Thanos Wins comics, it's one where uh, future Thanos pulls himself forward in time from the past to help himself defeat his greatest villain of all time, which is he wants him to kill himself so that he can finally be with death forever. It's a fantastic plotline. It's super cool. Uh, young Thanos doesn't end up killing old Thanos. Instead, he's like, I'm going to go back in time, change the way I do things so that you never exist in the end. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, fuck. It's this a fantastic plot line. I'm going to think a little bit about my favorite DC one that while. I let you guys okay. answer. Well, I know my favorite uh, villain from Marvel is uh, Magneto. Magneto's a good one. Because, uh, yeah, again, like he's the villain, but... It's just villainy to the eyes of everyone else. He is all for mutants and mutant rights, but he goes about it completely extreme and overboard. It's like, okay, we're better. We've got to get rid of you because you want to get rid of us. So we're going to act first. DC, I'd probably say Lex Luthor because he's just a man, a really smart man, and he's up against Superman of all people. And sure, Batman is a really smart man, and he goes up against Bat or Superman in certain situations, but Lex Luthor, he's a villain, and he somehow is the archenemy of Superman. Yeah, definitely oh, Lex Luthor is, which is definitely the, the hero that uh, I dislike the most, Superman. Well, that's the issue with Superman. He, when you've got a character that can do as much as him, it's really hard because you have to put him in really, really extraordinary situations to feel like there's any stakes. Uh, for me, uh, I would say on the uh, DC side of things, I really just want to say Captain Boomerang because out of all the things that have ever happened, my favorite moment uh, probably in one of the DC uh, comics is when Captain Boomerang is fighting the Flash and the Flash doesn't seem to know how a boomerang works because he throws the boomerang, Flash dodges, and goes, ha, you can't hit me with that. And then it comes and hits him in the back of the head. <laughs> and it gets better from here. Captain Boomerang's next step in the plan is he ties the Flash to a giant boomerang he's going to throw into the sun. Captain Boomerang also now forgetting how boomerangs work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my favorite DC one? Absolutely the Riddler, because he's such a dumb villain. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to commit crazy crimes because I'm a super genius, but I'm going to leave an insane amount of clues for Batman who is a super genius as well and can easily break down my clues to figure out exactly what I'm telling. Oh, I just love the, like, the Riddler's whole ethos, which is just like, committing crimes is fun. Leaving riddles for other people, even more fun. Oh yeah, well, this thing, with picking a villain from the DC side, it's really hard to not go straight to a Batman one because Batman has just an amazing roster Bro, of villains. Like Calendar Man. 
He picks all his crimes to happen on specific dates that are uh, significant to the date of the crime he's committing. It's amazing. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, on the Marvel side, it's kind of the same deal where it's, you immediately want to go to a Spider-Man villain because there's so many iconic ones. Uh, but for just, like, an overall good villain in the Marvel Universe, that's a bit harder because a lot of them have really good, like, rounding just information. Yeah. Another good one is uh, Doctor Doom. I really like him because while the movies are terrified to do it, the fact that he's the collaboration of science and magic and he's um, got a whole base in mysticism with his mask and stuff like that, but also has the power of science and lightning hands, It's he's a cool villain. And he so with and with all the amount of uh, I guess butchering that the movies have done trying to do a good Fantastic Four movie, I never really got a good feel for Doctor Doom. So what's his whole motivation? He's so he's originally the ruler of a small country, and essentially his whole deal is that kind of just wants to rule the world. Except yeah. he's in in multiple comic books he's been put at an Avengers level threat. Which is why it seems a little bit silly to me that they keep making him, like, the first and easiest villain that the Fantastic Four face and defeat handily. Yeah, well, I guess it's because, to be fair, a lot of the Fantastic Four and the Fantastic Four villains are kind of Avengers-level threat on their own. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's, as I said before, he's uh, responsible for one of the secret, or one of the secret war type events where he merges all of the MCU universes into one. Uh, and uses that to get all of the heroes and villains to fight each other until only the strongest remain. Yeah, he, he just... He's he, kind of the same deal where, in the same sense as what you would expect from a Lex Luthor type character, where he's super intelligent, really good with technology, but he also has the ability to use magic on top of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, though, I'm going to pick a, a character that's also in the similar set, so essentially we all pick really smart villains. I'm going to go with Norman Osborn. Norman Osborn's another great one. And out of all the Marvel character villains I can think of, Norman Osborn is so great because he can easily fit into any role of Avengers-level threat or street-level threat because he does just everything that he can. And he's the only... Actually, I think Lex Luthor probably did two in the DC Universe, but becomes president. Yes. <laughs> just to, like, I'm in charge of all the country. Take me down now, Avengers. Yeah, because he's got that whole level of, like, him on his own isn't really an Avengers-level threat. But he's really good at pulling the strings to, like, place himself in charge of an organization that is an Avengers-level threat. Yeah, I think like, he ends up in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a bit. He ends up in charge of Avengers for a bit. He's in charge of the United States for a bit. He's in charge of the Sinister Six a couple times. Although that's usually Dr. Octopus. He does, on multiple occasions, yeah, make himself... Doc Ock or Green Goblin, which is another moniker for Norman Osborn sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's another fantastic villain. So I like that we... Uh, who did we pick as our picks for heroes? I actually want to make note of this so I can make fun of us later. Um, <laughs> I, I had a so Cyclops and Batman. Cyclops and Batman. And I had Iron Man and Static Shock. Are you going to make them fight and then fuse them together afterwards? <laughs> yeah, I'm creating my own Marvel vs. DC. <laughs> uh, I had Moon Knight and I had The Flash. And then who were our villains? Mine was fucking basic bitch Thanos and the Riddler. I was Magneto and Lex Luthor. Mad bo uh, Captain Boomerang and... <laughs> hey, shut up. <laughs> no, I love it. I love Captain Boomerang. And Sorry, who was your uh, DC villain, Matt? Oh, uh, it was Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor, that's right. And then uh, going on to this, what about favorite storylines? you guys have any favorite storylines from each one? 
Uh, so I already said what my favorite storyline from Marvel was, and it's the Civil War, because that's the one that originally got me into comic books, was reading that one and all the fantastic plot lines that kind of came out about it. Yeah, I think I even I gave mine for DC earlier, which was Blackest Night, which is, the concept is, every character, because characters die a lot in comic books, and the cool thing about Blackest Night was they took that into consideration, and characters who have died before were able to be mind-controlled by the Black Lanterns. Yeah. Or the singular Black Lantern, and he was using them as his own personal army. So it became a battle of characters that had died versus characters that haven't died. And every time a character died in one of those battles, they got added to the Black Lantern side. Yep, and it was a really intense battle. Huh. Yeah, like I said earlier from Marvel's side, I also liked the Civil War from the movies, obviously. And uh, on the DC side, probably the Teen Titans. I liked the Teen Titans story. Which one? Uh, or just Teen Titans in general. Yeah, the Teen Titans in general, the whole uh, makeup of that entire team and group. Yeah, I think still Teen Titans' biggest story is probably the Judas Contract, which is that one I mentioned earlier, where Dick Grayson, it involves him, ended up becoming the Nightwing character. I'm trying to think. For the Marvel side of things, I, I want, actually, my favorite one is probably X Men versus Avengers. That That's was fair. such a goddamn good story, especially with the Phoenix Force splitting amongst all the characters. And it. it took one of my favorite X-Men characters, Cyclops, and made him the, like, penultimate villain. Which uh, he still was for a while. I believe how they resolved that was that when they rebooted the X-Men comics, they went back in time, pulled the original roster to the future so they could f track down and defeat evil Cyclops. Uh, I think probably my favorite plot, and I don't remember what it was called for DC, um, but it's the whole story of kind of the... Uh, joker's killing of jason todd or supposed killing of jason todd and then jason todd returning as a joker of him, uh for himself because instead of being killed he was just tortured endlessly until he went insane yeah it became the red hood and watching batman have to fight against his once ward jason todd alongside his new fucking uh joke or his new robin of I mean, damian wayne to be fair batman has so many great storylines there's the killing joke of course which is just amazing uh, Long Halloween, which is pretty much like essential Batman stuff you have to read. Yeah. Uh, Court of Owls is the most recent really good one. Court of Owls is a fantastic one. Everyone should read Court of Owls. You fucking Batman hater. <laughs> and uh, I guess we're at that penultimate question then. So DC or Marvel? Before we get into that, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about our choices for heroes and villains. Oh, no. Oh. And I want to discuss who would win. So, if we had, uh, from the Marvel side, Cyclops, Iron Man, and Moon Knight team up against Thanos, Magneto, and Captain Boomerang, which side did you think would win? Probably the villains, in honestly. This, in this case, probably the villains. Because just Magneto against Iron Man. <laughs> That's true. He just immediately wins there. Yeah, we can uh, do a couple crosshead. So Magneto, I think, kicks the shit out of Iron Man. I think it's pretty safe to say that... Uh, Captain Boomerang and Moon Knight might be a pretty close fight. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Cyclops versus Thanos, sadly, would probably go more than... Th it, it'd be a close fight, but I think Thanos would definitely kick the shit out of Cyclops. And then, <laughs> even if Moon Knight defeats Captain Boomerang, I think Magneto versus Thanos versus Moon Knight. Well, Moon Knight also has a mechanical <laughs> suit. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Moon Knight stands a chance on his own against Thanos and Magneto. So I think it's the villains. On the other side, where we talked about our favorite DC heroes versus uh, DC villains, I think 
it's a lot easier to say that the heroes win because we have Static Shock, Batman, and The Flash versus Riddler, Lex Luthor, and uh, Norman Osborn. And in that case, I feel like Batman has proven himself capable of defeating Riddler on his own. And I feel like Lex Luthor is not going to be as great against Batman as he is against Superman. Well, here's the thing. Immediately, the fact that we have The Flash in there, even if there's no prep time, The Flash should just win against yeah. those three yeah. characters. Yeah, even if the fr- like the other three work together to come up with a trap for the Flash, Batman could just be like, uh, "Flash, just don't do the one thing they're expecting you to do, and we're fine." Yeah, <laughs> they've got the smartest man alive, the fastest man alive, and, and then static. Sh- uh, sorry, and, and the Flash and Shocky Boy. <laughs> <laughs> they got the smartest man alive, the fastest man alive, and Batman. Static Shock is the first two. So what I'm getting is, uh, the villains we like are stronger than the heroes we like. Uh, yeah, something like that. So, uh, final question. We've decided that the DC heroes defeat the DC villains. Now what if I ask you Batman, Static Shock, and The Flash versus Thanos, Magneto, and Captain Boomerang? Well, it's clear the side has Captain Boomerang that wins. Uh, yeah. Hands down. <laughs> I don't even know who he is, and he sounds deadly. Well, the big threat in a, just a straight-up fight right there is the Flash, and Captain Boomerang's already easily beaten the Flash because he forgets how boomerangs work all the time. Yeah. And his weapon always comes back. You can never disarm him. <laughs> Batman is clearly at a disadvantage. All right. So, final question time. Who is better? Greg, put it to us to come up with an answer. I think it's important for us all to agree right now. Incorporating everything that we know, so the comic books, the movies, the TV shows... Any video game adaptations, which is better, Marvel versus D&D? Or not Marvel versus (laughs) D&D, Marvel versus DC. Well, I'm going to... Take a second to think about it. I'm assuming you've already given up on DC that you've removed them from the competition. So my vote is for D&D being better than Marvel. All right. Uh, Before we put our actual answers out here, I'm going to quickly get the, uh, the cop out answer out of the way. Come up with that yourself. Because they're both really good in their own ways. Oh, I'm not saying one's wor- like horrible because the other one's winning. It's just which one do you like more? Which one's better? Marvel. Okay, that was a quick and rapid response. <laughs> Keith, do you have an answer? Uh, I do. And I actually took it in a point system where I was like, movies, comics, games, and all that. And then just took the points there. And it was close, but it's Marvel. I did a similar approach uh, where I ranked them or gave them points both for their movies, both for their comic books, and both for their other adaptations. And I ended up at a tie after my first calculations. I was like, nobody wants to hear about a fucking tie. Uh, So I went with my gut and I said DC. Because I felt like I should weight comic books a little bit more heavily since they're both comic book companies. Oh, definitely. Like... When it comes to the comic itself, I find myself much more enjoying if I was going to sit down and just plow through a story arc. DC, hands down, is definitely the one to do. Yeah. Marvel does do some good stories, but it's more so because the characters are there. So when you get the, like the team lineup in Marvel, that's a lot more exciting than it happens in DC. But DC characters, regardless of you know it being a small story or a big story, just hold it a lot better. Yeah. But the movies, it's too hard to say that Marvel doesn't have dominance. Oh, there. Marvel oh, yeah. absolutely has dominance. It was purely because I came down to a tie and I was like, what's my tiebreaker rule? My tiebreaker rule for comic book companies is who has the better comic books. M- my and tiebreaker was the video games and I just, the Marvel video games are just so much better. It's true. Marvel does have better video games. Um, I just, 
sadly decided to use comic books as my tiebreaker and comic books leans more towards DC. But I think that's a solid representation of what most people will answer. If you ask 100% of the population, or if you ask a whole bunch of people, two-thirds of them are probably going to say Marvel's better, and they'll get one fucking nerd who says it's DC. Well, I guess that takes care of it. Now, before we do finish the episode, I do want to add a new segment in here, because I feel like it's going to be important moving forward. It's the new segment I like to call Corrections, where uh, the fans, when they write in, tell us what we got wrong, and then we acknowledge it. And uh, as of right now, our correction bag is empty, which means we've been 100% correct up to this point. So That's we- right. By you guys not emailing us with corrections, we have been completely and utterly validated in every single thing that we have ever What do you mean said? they're not emailing us with corrections? They have no reason to email us That's corrections. That's what I mean. Yeah, because we've been right this entire time. The fact that we have not received corrections means that no corrections have been needed to be sent, which means we are flawless human beings. We're still going to have the segment so that every episode we get to talk about how flawless we are because we will continue to not need corrections. But we're going to have this segment anyways, just to remind you that we are perfect human beings and you're welcome to prove us wrong by trying to find a correction to be made if you can, which you can't. Except for correcting me on every single thing I said about the Captain Marvel plot line No, no. Sounded pretty good to me. Pretty accurate. Everything Matt knows about that story is accurate from what I said. Yeah, so thank you for listening to our uh, podcast today. And as usual, you can find our podcast and all previous episodes on any major podcast services. And uh, tune in two weeks from now for another episode release. And it would be really helpful for us if you leave any comments, ratings, etc., etc. really helps out. And uh, if you have any comments or email suggestions, you can reach us at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, leave comments, subscribe, and thanks for tuning in. One last little shout-out. Quick reminder, this episode was brought to us by... Greg! Way to go, Greg. Main man Greg. He's been responsible for two episodes in a certain fashion so far. Uh, I'm a little worried, though, the fact that he locked us in this room at this table to determine this, though. Greg, are we done now? Can we go? Please? My family misses me.